Super Talk Mississippi media production. This is Rebecca Turner, and thank you for listening to the Good Things Podcast here on Super Talk Mississippi. It's Mississippi's Radio Happy Hour. Well, I'm going to Mississippi. Mississippi, here I come. You're listening to Good Things with Rebecca Turner. Bringing you the good stories of Mississippi's people, places, and things to do. Now, now, here's Rebecca. Good afternoon, Super Talk Mississippi. You're tuned into your radio happy hour. That's the good things. I'm your host, Rebecca Turner. We've got Rhino in studio. Don't forget, you can listen to good things. We are streaming live over at supertalk.fm. We're also streaming from the Super Talk Mississippi app. Of course, you can always find us on your local Super Talk Mississippi radio station. And you can watch us, too. We are on your computer or your mobile device. Just head on over to supertalktv.com. You'll see I'm not alone in the studio today. I always love when friends come and join us here. And I consider Bailey Henry a friend. Even though I feel like this may be the second time we've ever met in person. But you know how the Internet goes. You just start following folks, and then you feel like you've known them forever. But she's an author and podcaster, and she shines a bright light, I will say that, and a much-needed light on the topic of infertility. And this week actually starts National Infertility Awareness Week. And even though it's a tough topic, I feel like, Bailey, you handle it with humor and real life uh, sort of uh, fun, if if you can say that, that makes it easier for other people to start having the conversation. And I think that's what we're going to do today is at least try to raise awareness and have that conversation. So welcome. Thank you for having me. It's good to have you back. A lot has happened since the last time uh, we met. Your book, Having a Baby and Other Things I'm Bad At, short stories about living with infertility, sort of blossomed and yes. took off. Thank you. Really connected with a lot of uh, women and families. And I told you I was going to start with a hard question or a weird one. And it's how do you, Bailey, define the word infertility, which seems so silly, but I feel like there's so much more to it than what most people who have never experienced it would assume. Right. Oh, that is a loaded question. How do I define it? We'll go there. Yes. We can start there. First of all, I never wanted to define it. This is such a camp that nobody wants to find their, to find themselves in. Um, but for me, my infertility falls under the category of growing our family biologically has been a real pickle. Um, I can get pregnant very easily. I just cannot sustain the pregnancies. But if you look at the studies and talk to a doctor, infertility starts where a couple consistently tries to have a child for a year and nothing happens. And then you're in that camp. And then you're in that camp. Mm -hmm. And more people are in that camp than people realize. Correct. Um, There are some, in my opinion, antiquated statistics. Uh, One in four couples will experience pregnancy loss. One in eight couples um, struggle to get pregnant. Um, But I just saw yesterday, and I cannot remember the source. I'll get it back to you. But now they're saying it's one in six. So the numbers are, you know, it's more common. People are struggling to get pregnant. People are sharing about it. Um, But, yeah, it's it's more common than people want to realize. And even though there is awareness week for a reason to make women and families because it's a unit to to try to to grow a family, Mm -hmm. um, to make them feel less lonely it doesn't take away the sting or the pain, even though, you know, others are going through it. Right. But it, yet it can still very, still feel very isolating, even when you know it's happened to others. It's so lonely. 
I'll, it's such a lonely, lonely feeling. And, and I wrote in my book towards the end, it's like being invited to a party where you know a lot of other people are going to be there, but you attend alone. Um, you know that so many other people have received this invitation of um, infertility or struggling to sustain a pregnancy or having to spend their life savings on um, IVF rounds. It's just so very frustrating and, and yes, isolating. So what is the good that comes out of awareness? Hopefully, women feel encouraged to talk about it and share their stories and take away that stigma. If you take away the stigma and the taboo topic, then people feel much more comfortable raising their hand and say, yeah, me too. We struggled too. And then um, for me, I'm a big researcher at heart. So if there's awareness, hopefully like an entire you know National Infertility Awareness Week, Put your money where your mouth is. I mean, I want to see st- scientists and doctors doing more studies on our food, on our hormones, and why there's such a pandemic of infertility right now. It's getting worse and the numbers are growing. So that that's where all the awareness can go to. So, Bailey, when it comes to the stigma and why women particularly take it hard or harder, even though it takes two to tango, as my mom would t- tell me a long time ago, it yeah. takes two to tango. Um, yes, but for whatever reason, in this particular instance, it feels like the women carry the weight uh, of the, you know, the feeling of failure or whatever it may be. Why do you feel there is such a stigma attached to this medical sort of phenomena versus maybe others? Right. Um, I can only speak for myself sort of in this aspect and certainly the region that we're in. The southern women, man, we really, you know, at your wedding reception, they ask when you're going to have children. And then at your baby shower for your first child, they ask when you're going to have a second, right? It's just this stamp that's kind of put on us to be mothers and wives and when you can't do that, when you can't perform right to to society standards or your family standards, um, it really, really hurts. And it's supposed to be something that's very simple. It's just, you know, a little biology and a little science. And and it's supposed to be that easy. But for so many, it's not. And so and it's something, you know, to address the elephant in the room. Other people get to do it with ease, right? The people who weren't preparing for it or weren't planned for it, they have buckets of children. Um, But the women who have just made this conscious effort to really, really seek out motherhood because they want it with all of their heart, those are the ones that have that stamp on their forehead of infertile or barren, which is, again, an antiquated term. But, yeah, but that but that is one reason, too, I think, you know, and I, and I said in the beginning that you you talk about it so openly, you shine a light on it, because even someone who hasn't struggled with uh, infertility, my heart hurts for friends and family who have walked that and trying to learn as a support as a supporting friend or family member how to better help or support or just be that friend that they deserve or need versus sometimes making the mistakes that we make on I mean that people say the dumbest things with with good intention but you're not you're not necessarily helping so I think that's also even if you've never walked that road someone you know has Mm -hmm. and just hearing maybe the ways to better approach or think about or not say handle it's not your job to handle the situation but you can be more empathetic Right. And your choice of words or your actions after, you know, a friend or heard of a friend who has suffered from a miscarriage um, or maybe a couple who hadn't had a baby, 
yet after marriage before you just pop in the when you go start having kids question. Yeah, there's so much grace that could be, you know, spread all around this situation uh, because people I'll tell you in the older generation, they don't mean any harm. Mm -hmm. They're just asking. Um, It's very bizarre to them to see. Um, a woman in their, you know, early to mid thirty, yeah. a good marriage, and and they're in their early to mid thirties, and they don't have kids yet. That is just like shocking to them. Um, and you know, as far as everyone else, just be being there in acts of service for a couple. Um, if they've suffered a loss, I can remember. After our last um, miscarriage, my husband was like, man, I just really would love for somebody to come mow the grass for us. You know, like um, I'm on the couch. I'm recovering from surgery. And it's just the tangible acts of services are so helpful. And then just approaching every topic with grace of should I ask or shouldn't I ask? And always having that the the comma, but like, but it's OK if if you can't or, you know, and the people who throw out adoption immediately or IVF immediately or um, old wives tales to to help they do they mean it with the best of intentions but I have eaten more sweet potatoes um, than I can ever stomach and that hasn't helped yet so. still don't want to fit scratch your head whatever yeah. it be yeah, yeah I understand that and I think you know that's good for for those of us to hear of sometimes the best thing to say is you don't know what to say mm-hmm. and that you're just there yep right because it's better than to brush something up because again it's just that awkwardness and i think that's what's so good about having these conversations is if you feel convicted then just not think about it sort of the next time and if you're close enough friend to someone you may have said the wrong thing i don't think there's anything wrong going back and saying i eat crow like i am so sorry didn't recognize you know um in that way you know how can i better support you you know moving forward and that will just let them feel seen yeah and sort of and heard in that way and i know everybody's story is definitely different on the road for infertility there's still many who are still grappling with it who don't like to share with it and i feel like in every tough topic of of life you just have those that have the courage to maybe stand up and share their story or feel compelled and bailey you definitely did that when you chose to write your book having a baby and other things i'm bad about short stories about living life with infertility we'll continue with bailey coming up next Just a little brighter. It's Good Things with Rebecca Turner on Super Talk Mississippi. Baby, lay on back and relax. 
Kick your pretty feet up on my dash. No need to go nowhere. Welcome back to Good Things. Don't forget you can watch us. We are on computer, your mobile device. Just head on over to supertalktv.com or continue our conversation with author Bailey Henry as we can you say celebrate the fact that it's National Infertility Awareness Week. I don't know if celebrate's the right word, but raise awareness to the fact. <laughs> See, talk about a little stick foot in mouth. <laughs> but I think you are the per- one of the perfect people to sort of get out, share your story. Obviously, you wrote a cheeky titled uh, book about it because it is such an eggshell topic yeah. and it needs to be addressed with love and kindness and sometimes a little bit of humor. So you are open in your book uh, about your about your journey and and what you sort of went through. And at the end of it, what came out of that is you helping women specifically with the miscarriage guide. Mm-hmm. What was missing in your health care or piece uh, of it experience, should I say, that you felt like other women deserved to have? Oh, oh everything. That's such a good question. Um, when you I figured this out the hard way, it took six miscarriages um, and a lot of life experience to realize that when you go and buy a car, you get more literature on your new vehicle purchase. You get more handouts when you adopt a puppy. Um, when you go to the spa and get, a, you know, a facial or Botox, you get more information about all of that stuff. But when you lose a baby in a pregnancy, they send you home with nothing. You get no handouts, no advice, no follow-up, no nothing. Um, and that really got under my skin. And so I just decided to change it. And so after my sixth miscarriage, I wrote something called the Miscarriage Guide, and it's just a five-by-seven postcard with very simple um, information and instructions on it um, for women to take home. Hopefully, if their doctor agrees to carry it in office, they can take it home, um, read it. It will lead them to my website, um, and it's just truly something for them to hold because you just, I don't know, there's something about leaving empty-handed and you're and you're physically empty as well. Um, that was important to hold on to. You have also wrapped up. I know you're. I would say it may not have won awards, but it should have. But it got very popular. <laughs> your your podcast. Yes. What was the name of it? The Undelivered. Delivered. And with your co-host. Yes. And you all really decided to get raw and open, which I know even though you wrapped it up, all of those episodes are still sort of out there. Yes. That's a very vulnerable way to continue the conversation of infertility. What led you to do that? Yes. Um, that was just perfect timing. Um, my co-host and I, Ashley, we met on Instagram as people do nowadays and, um, we just compared stories. She had had a really, um, unfortunate miscarriage experience and we just immediately hit it off. And after a month of knowing each other, we were like, Hey, are we going to do this? We're doing this. We have a podcast now. We're, we're those people. We have a podcast. <laughs> and so it's still on Spotify and Apple podcast. Um, we did not win an award, but we were Should nationally have. ranked. Thank you. We that were is basically an award. Basically. Okay. Uh, yeah. We were nationally ranked at one time for top 50 best American podcast. And um, we just kept the conversation going. And we interviewed fantastic women. And um, we shared stories, our own and other women's stories about infertility and womanhood. Um, in season three, we kind of tapered off a little bit into other topics that surround being a, a wife and a mom 
Um, but yeah, we're really we're really proud of that. You've also taken this platform and branched out into hosting events for women to gather and share. Yes. What? Well, tell us about that, and then I mean, you would be surprised, or I guess I'm surprised because it's a sensitive topic that so many women are coming out to be so vulnerable in a public way. Right. But there's obviously a need for it. Yeah. I I, I think that there's a need. There's certainly, Rebecca, in everything that I've done, I'm just trying to be the person that I desperately needed in October of 2017 when I had my first loss. Um, so, yes, the we I host an event, the podcast, the miscarriage guide, my social media platforms. I'm just trying to be the person that I would have clung to back when I had my first miscarriage. So when's your next event? So um, Saturday, May 13th at 1.30 p.m. It's called The Bloom and Grow. And this will be our second uh, meeting. We did this for the first time last May. And we it's just a good day. It's just a good afternoon um, for women to come. It's at the chapel at Livingston in Flora. And um, it's a free event. And um we have three guest speakers who I'm so excited about, and they're all sharing their testimonies on infertility and womanhood and foster care and how God has led their businesses. And it's just it's going to be a great day. I'm very excited. And that was just put on my heart because I thought with each thing that I do, I'm like, can we do more? We can do more. What what else can we accomplish? With the topic of infertility, there's so much sorrow, and it is a topic of hopelessness and some or despair. But there also seems to be through the stories of the the or the women's stories that you share through your platforms that have come forward, and I follow and know some of them. There always seems to be a little bit of glimmer of hope, which has to be a God thing, right? Mm-hmm. How do you help or encourage women or families to stay in the lane of hope when it can feel and hope? For what? I mean, that's a it's a weight it's a weighted sort of question, yeah. but but to stay hopeful and then you know yeah no I only made that face because I'm like oh do I have hope right now like I, you ebb and flow yeah. right and I think for me personally I cling to the best version of hope that Christ has to offer. After I've been in the pit, let me throw my pity party in the pit for a second. And I think a lot of women are like that, whether it's about infertility or um, their season of singleness, not finding a husband, whatever. Um, There is hope for the future. There is hope because we have been taught that there is hope in our Savior. Um, But sometimes that hope isn't always in the form of getting what you what you want. Right. I mean, it's just hope that life is still beautiful enough to be lived fully. Um, but definitely, I think there's such freedom in letting women experience their dark times. Let them throw their hissy fits and let them really get out their anger because this is a topic, certainly infertility. It, it makes you a person that you don't want to be. You're angry. You're jealous. All these things. She'll get better. She'll get back on her mountain. She'll cling to her hope. Just let her let her go down for a second. And if you've if you are someone or you have a friend or family member who's going through the anger, the bitter stage, and I know you have the guides on on your website or all, but how do you walk that gently as a supporter or a friend? Or the husband. Oh, gosh. That's a... We don't have enough time to go into that. We don't have enough time to go into that. Um, just to be a supporter when someone's like in their... They're not on their mountain yet. They're still in the angry phase. 
just again that tangible acts of service and, and knowing the person well enough to say hey do you want to talk about it no i do not great do you want to go like have margaritas and chips and dip that's good too um do you want to go repaint your bedroom like just being there and saying i'm here as your supporter and i'll love you even if you can have children or not what do you want to do right now do you want to talk about it we can talk about it and and i think in talking about it there are so many people who are afraid to ask questions but the worst thing and the most important thing is the silence don't don't let a certain amount of time go by without checking in on someone or always having it be the elephant in the room. That's just going to make it so much worse. So much worse. And if someone doesn't feel supported by their health care provider, whether it's their OB, their whomever, mm-hmm. how do you encourage women to seek out other counselors? I was just going to say, find a new one. <laughs> um, don't be afraid to travel. There are so many good doctors all across the state um, don't be afraid to travel to find the one that's that's the right fit for you. Um, and I think doctors are doing their best. They have a lot of patients. Some are infertile. Some are baby-making machines, you know, and you just have to ask your girlfriends, you know, for their opinions. Who have they seen? Who did they have a good experience with? And just sort of base their recommendations off of what your current needs are and then just start calling and seeing who would be a good fit? All right, Bailey, you, your book is Having a Baby and Other Things You're Bad At. What else are you bad at? <laughs> <laughs> math. <laughs> basic, basic elementary math. I can't do math much past the second grade level, uh, which is why I'm a, I'm a writer. Um, and, you know, as it applies to the book, being kind to yourself when you're going through a hard time, asking for help in ways um, that are you know, pertinent to the situation that you're going to. Um, and if you read in there, apparently I'm really bad at using public restrooms. I'll leave that open for the interpretation unless you want to go buy the book. But yeah, public restrooms and me um, don't have a great history with each other. <laughs> you know, that is something you're leaving something for the imagination. Um, where can folks find the book, Bailey? It's on Amazon or you can go to my website and send me an email and I'll mail you one. Mail you one mm-hmm. or send one anon- anonymously to a friend. I don't know yeah. if that's something that yeah. you would want to necessarily just, it's kind of like a diet book. You don't just slide that to a friend. Um, but an anonymous gift, maybe. Leave yeah. it on the desk, whatever it may be. It's a comedy, be. I promise, guys. It's not all sad. It's not all sad. Well, you know what? That's a great way to, <laughs> to leave on this. Bailey, I appreciate your time, all that you're doing. Everybody can find you online where? Yeah. Uh, website is hellobaileyhenry.com, and I'm on social media at Henry. All righty. Stick with us. We got more for you coming up next. Rebecca Turner. She looks healthy and sane. Good Things with Rebecca Turner continues on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back 
to good things. You can watch us on your computer, your mobile device. You can watch it on Roku, Amazon Fire TV devices, and YouTube. You can also watch good things live on Ceasefire TV if you've got that. We are on Channel 70 right next to the Weather Channel. You can also catch good things in podcast form wherever you listen to podcasts. Next, we're hearing about live from the Temple 2. The first one went so well, Shelly, that we're going for a round two, and this is Nashville Songwriter Showcase, and it's to help save uh, the temple there in uh, Meridian. So, Shelly, your mic's off. Can you turn your mic on for us, girlfriend? So that's okay. So we can hear you? Nope, we can't hear you yet, but we're going to. This is going to be the second attempt for Meridian, Mississippi, to bring together funds to help with the great Meridian. Are you there? Are you there now? So, can you hear me now? You know what? Technology is wonderful, Shelly, until it's not. We just roll with it here. But I'm excited that the first one was such a good go that you guys decided to have a second one. Um, so give us a little bit background of how Live from the Temple got started. So Live from the Temple got started back last October when we decided that we wanted to raise money for the Temple Theater, which is a historic theater here in Meridian, Mississippi. And so we got together 25 local songwriters from around the area or musicians, and they all came together, donated their time and talent, and we raised close to $10,000 for the Temple Theater. So we know that our local musicians are working hard, and so we wanted to do something just a little bit different. And that's why we decided to come through and, and bring in some professional songwriters from um, from Nashville. And so we have Wynn Varble who wrote Waiting on a Woman. We have Bryce Long. Um, and we also have Don Portress. And Don Portress has won five Dev Awards. Um, Bryce Long has written, all three of them are buddies and they write together all the time. So we're just really excited. Um, Waiting on a Woman, um, Country or Than That, or a couple of the, the hits that they have written. And Apparently, it's a lot more than that than I can even name off. So we're just really excited that we're capable of bringing and that they're willing to come to the Temple Theater and to share their time and show off their talent with, you know, to raise money for the Temple Theater initiative. So, Shelly, will this also will this be a concert like and smorgasbord and to maybe like question, answer or talk, get to talk to the songwriters about their process or their career? Or is it just more kind of like strictly an old school kind of concert? I think it's just going to be whatever, whatever happens. I mean, that's what we love about the Live from the Temple Theater series um it's like it's an open book and there's no right way there's no wrong way and you know we try to do what works we try to do what doesn't work and it's a learning process for all of us but you know main thing is that we're raising money for a really good cause which is restoration and keeping this historic building afloat and to give her a little bit of a facelift i mean you sit you hear ten thousand dollars raised and that's incredible but i'm sure there's going to be more needed to make renovate anybody who's done renovations lately knows the ten thousand dollars doesn't go a really long way Uh, do y'all know about how much it will cost to do everything that's needed to get her back up to fight and wait And we have lost Shelley. That's okay. But we definitely know with historic buildings, particularly those that reach to 100 plus years old, they're going to need things repaired. They're going to need things fixed and updated to bring into the modern area. 
era when you think about, too, hosting events such as concerts or having the ability to host uh, conferences and such. There's other types of equipment and sound and lighting and all of that that also needs to be updated and repaired. So if you want to take part in the Live from the Temple 2 National Songwriters Showcase, I know you can get uh, tickets online at the Temple Theater there in Meridian, and they will be able to answer all of the questions that you may um, have about the um, upcoming event and also um, if you want to be able to donate or or be a part of it. If we can connect back to Shelly, we definitely um, will, uh, but if not, we can just roll on with all the good things that are going on in our state, which a good place for you to go to find that out is going to be over on the Good Things Facebook group. We say it all the time. If you are on the Book of Faces, then you should connect with us there. Rhino and I do a good job, I think, of finding all of the great headlines there in and around the social web and posting those in there for us to share and to and to read about. We also are working diligently to keep all the spam out, which is coming increasingly harder with your social media groups. So spare, not spare us, but give us a little grace uh, and flag us, too. If you see something that gets posted in there that you don't think fits the bill, we will wrestle in, wrestle. We will wrestle in and wrestle it out. We will rush in and we will delete and cancel it out. Uh, but we're not canceling out our two Mississippians who are left left in American Idol, uh, Zachariah Smith and Colin Stroud. They advanced in American Idol top uh, 20. I heard coming in on the Gallo Rewind today uh, that you had maybe till 8 o'clock this morning. I'm not sure if you've got time left, um, but folks were out voting for them to see if they can make it into the top 12. I think it's cool. We've got two representatives that have at least made it into the top 20, and both of them come from and around the same area uh, of Mississippi, which there's got to be something in the water up there with musicians. No, I think that's just in Mississippi in general. And so you can tune in. I think it's tonight to see if they made it to the top 12 um, or not. But either way, we know that they um, have set the stage for them to have an incredible music career if they if they so choose in that. And then also, too, there's an auction time. Our friends at Super Talk Southwest 102.1, they have donated six tickets to see the national champion uh, Ole Miss Rebels take on the Georgia Bulldogs this Saturday at Historic Swayze Field. And so if you want to bid on those tickets or to find out, you can go to Fist Squad. Uh, Facebook page and learn more about that as well. Lots of good conversation going on. Lots of good headlines over on the Good Things uh, Facebook group. You'll even find a great headline. Off-duty Pearl police officer was given an award for reviving a woman at a Brandon gas station. I'd hate to know that that's... I mean, I'd love to know he got that award. I'd hate to know that that would be me. They would have to uh, go through that to be able to for him to get that. But a Pearl police officer did receive this award on Wednesday morning because he saved a woman's uh, life. And I think he was also deemed officer of the month. He approached a young lady that suffered an overdose and she was not breathing. And he just went into action and performed CPR and the right administered the right medications and she was revived and had the opportunity to have one more opportunity of you know maybe changing her life and and doing things and that's i know that's like not a good it's a good outcome because she was saved but it is still a good outcome because she has the opportunity to turn her life around where maybe had he not had the right training or 
materials on hand, it would have just been over for that young woman. So kudos to him for jumping into action and kudos to her for paying it forward by acknowledging him and helping for him to get uh, to get that award. There's more good stuff, too, about Mississippians helping others. You know, I love my shower power people. They're here in in central Mississippi. It all started with them wanting to be able to give those without homes the dignity of having a shower um, and once a week at least. And, man, that's blossomed. And so you can read a wonderful story about how they have come together to purchase a home that was otherwise condemned through their Project Hope. And it is a place for restoration for those who come through their shower power that they're able to identify. They're able to then use it as um, housing and get resources and all the things there. And it's continue to help that uh, community here in central Mississippi and go above and beyond. They're calling it their Lucky Charm House. You need to go read the story and see the wonderful photos because it's green, which makes it... Which makes it a lucky charm. I think green's having a moment. I think green is like the color right now that you see a lot of them. Am I am I just imagining that because my kid's into frogs, or is green having a moment? Well, I mean, most trends and fads and color theory is definitely a trend or a fad. They come in cycles. I mean, I remember growing up with a whole lot of avocado green. That was the same. And that what was kinda, it the sunflower yellow? I get that. Or the golden harvest like, yellow or whatever it was. There was all the couches that, that were that same sort of mute dome plaid with the wood sort of accents, very seventies, late early eighties, kind of kind of whatever. But I Which, feel like green is just having a moment. It when it comes to color, it's always fascinating to look back, especially when you see a, a big step forward in the creation of color. Mm-hmm. I mean, after the 70s, you get into the 80s and you get into these synthetic colors, these insanely bright colors like highlighter yellow and hot pink and stuff like that. Colors that previous generations simply couldn't create. So they never had the chance to see them. And you, you, you've seen that over and over again. I mean, one of the more recent ones is what's called Vanta Black which is all these little bitty tiny pieces of carbon nanotubing that just catch the light. And since no light can escape, it's the darkest color pigment out there. Huh. Things you didn't know you're going to learn when you turn into tune into good things today. But stick with us. We got a few more good headlines for you coming up next. And stories that make you smile. This is Good Things with Rebecca Turner on Super Talk Mississippi, the Super Talk app, and at supertalk.fm. I'm a morning time, and we're going strong. Heading up down the river, oh Lord, I feel the reveling. I feel a change on the. Welcome back to 
good things. Don't forget we are streaming live over at supertalk.fm. We're also streaming from the Supertalk Mississippi app. And you can always find us on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station. Don't forget, too, our Supertalk Mississippi news team is covering your Mississippi news. You can stay up to date. You can sign up for the free weekly newsletter over at supertalk.fm slash newsletter. And it wouldn't be a fun day without talking about some of the fun things that are nationally, I guess, talked about today. And one is National Bucket List Day or National Pigs in a Blanket Day. So, Rhino, you get to choose. I mean, it's been a minute since I had a pig in a blanket. Really? uh, Yeah. Did you know that the whole Internet shut down Whenever, not shut down, or I guess imploded on itself, when, Marie, I think it's Marie Callender's, you guys can totally correct me if I'm wrong, but there was a, I guess a um, frozen option, but they would bake up, so already made pigs in the blanket, like it was the little, so it's kind of think of like how the chick... The little chicken nets or whatever. From. I could understand a frozen pot pie. It could be a little bit of effort I don't effort know if it was Marie's calendar. And put the dough in there <laughs> and then make the filling and then and bake it. I could see cutting off a few steps for a frozen pot pie. Or a frozen lasagna. You might not like the flavor, but it's, it can it can be a little labor intensive to make a decent lasagna. How hard is it to make pigs in a blanket? Well... Hard versus time-consuming when it comes in the little frozen refrigerated tin can or tin thingy, and all you have to do is preheat and pop it in, and then and it's in like a like a they're in a circle. It's a came in a circle uh, pan, and they were around and then came in and then came in and came in and came in whatever, and it's already the dough with the weenies in it, and then they pop up golden brown and then you just you if you really wanted to trick your friends you popped them all out and put them on a plate so it looked like you did it if not you were that person who owned that you did it the easy way and you just <laughs> served it right up in the actual pan and you think that these people take products off shelves when they're not being bought and the amount of ruckus that happened whenever they removed said product you would have thought they would have never done it now i don't know sister sherberts sister sherberts so it wasn't marie calendars and um they yeah i don't know if they've come back or not but but in the world of classroom parties what will you sign up for there were many moms who said pigs in the blanket and gave sister sherberts Schubert. sherberts sherberts <laughs> That's ice cream, Rebecca. But it would be good with pigs and blanket on the right day at the right party for the right way. Um, I feel for certain I've had pigs in a blanket as the meal for a party and orange sherbet for the dessert for a party. But there's different types. So, uh, Sister Sherberts, Schubert's, Schubert's, this is going to be Sherberts forever, forgive me. Um, they were smaller and more bite sized. So if you make them at home, they tend to be bigger because you have to use the whole you, – you, or you don't have to, but you can I mean, use You can the, use little cocktail weenies. Yes. Use the whole uh, sort of crescent roll um, in the way. But, but yeah. What did you – what do you like – have you not had them in a while? It's been a minute. I'm talking like over a decade at least. Really? Oh, yeah. What would you dip them in? Anything and everything. You've got ketchup. Mustard, syrup, barbecue sauce. Out of those, probably either mustard or barbecue sauce. I, I never even considered putting syrup on a hot dog. That's because <laughs> it's for breakfast. Pigs in a blanket isn't breakfast. Yes, it is. No. What do you eat pigs in a blanket for? I've had pigs in a blanket for lunch and dinner. I've never had pigs in a blanket for breakfast. Where? How 
are you? I feel like pigs in a blanket for breakfast to be sausages wrapped up in something. So yes, so pigs in a blanket, like for (laughs) not eating hot dogs for breakfast. (laughs) Didn't even do that in college. This is America. (laughs) (laughs) If you were to serve them for breakfast. Typically, it would be with sausage wrapped up, but you would still call it a pigs in a blanket, and then you would still serve it with the same condiments plus <laughs> maple syrup. If it's not like I can't, so I don't guess I've been to too many parties that have had pigs in a blanket as party favors that weren't like kid related. It would have been then been cocktail weenies without the blanket. You got the pigs, but you didn't get the blanket. Now, the question is, when you get cocktail weenies at a party, are they still in the crock pot, or does somebody take the time to put a little toothpick in all of them and put them on the plate? I'm still perplexed that you've never had them for breakfast. <laughs> or brunch, or like that morning hour, hot out of the oven. I've just always associated pigs in a blanket with either hot dogs or cocktail weenies wrapped in biscuit dough or croissants or crescent rolls or any number of other doughs that come out of a can that explodes. Mm. It's okay. We can... It's what makes the world great. Differing lifestyles and opinions. <laughs> Stick with us. We got more for you up next. You got the boys from 3 to 6 with Sports Talk Mississippi. Rhino and I'll meet you back here tomorrow at 2. But until then, I hope you all find time for the good things. Talk Mississippi Media Production.